0: what's up fight fan you're listening to MMA daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts it is Monday February 13th 2023 and this week's episode Mahachev reigns down under we'll talk about UFC 284 in Australia two title fights and a little controversy coming out of it plenty to talk about there We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Jose Aldo potentially boxing the legendary Floyd Mayweather Jr. Bellator adding Michael Venom Page to their card coming up in March. The location for Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. And we'll talk about this Saturday's UFC event. Tyler Santos is out. Jessica Andrade is in against top prospect Aaron Blanchfield. Lot to get into, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio.
1: Double G, happy early Valentine's Day. I know, what is Thank it, two you. days early?
0: <laughs> One, One day, day early. early. It's
1: tomorrow, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Any, uh, chocolates in the horizon for you?
0: I just want you to know, I, even if I have someone, I get a chocolate heart for myself, because those things are so dang good. <laughs> Uh, no uh, no I mean, shame. Yeah,
1: for yourself. Yeah, yeah.
0: No shame. Even if I do have someone, I'm giving it to. It's like, is there someone you want to tell me? Yeah, I bought one for me too. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. sorry, I
1: didn't mean like, is someone giving you a chocolate? I mean, are you gonna eat chocolates? I think of course, everyone just buys their own chocolates these days.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> no, it, um, I will. I'm sure Mr. Zamudio and everyone is no, ready to treat you well. Do he doesn't oh, do anything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Never has. We Travesty. went to August one
1: year. That was the best one. Um, that's the best Valentine's
0: I've cool. ever had. That's true love.
1: But it was, I mean, that's one of my favorite places to go. It was my choice, you know.
0: There so. you go. All right, there you go. See, that's every relationship. It's about what you want. Anyway, we'll talk a lot about it. We'll talk a little bit of Rihanna and the Super Bowl, if you want, and, you oh know, quite okay. some stuff. Um, we have a lot of fights, so let's get right into it, right? Saturday, uh, I, I got to say, that crowd had, first off, the event played out really well on TV, it looked like the place to be. That crowd really made the difference. You could feel it through the television. And obviously that crescendo at the end. Volkanovsky walking out in front of his home country. Taking on Iza And the two just had a very, very awesome 25-minute scrap. I thought on a technical level, you saw a really great display of full mixed martial arts. Striking, grappling, conditioning, cardio, strategy. Uh comebacks rallies um it it just had a little bit of everything i really loved watching it um in terms of the fight itself obviously you guys saw it volkanovsky very solid in the striking but is on i think the biggest surprise how well he was able to keep up with him at that pace for 25 minutes they fought an exhausting bout they really got after it and Mahachev. Let's be real, the last few years, he's kind of had one-way traffic. He hasn't really had to get out of second gear. And I think to see him really push himself against a guy like Volk, uh, I thought that was very impressive. Volkanovski obviously had some really slick escapes on the ground, really neutralized a lot of that damage that we're used to seeing Islam implement when he gets you down. I thought obviously that was a big one. But yeah, my biggest takeaway is two talented fighters, Both had their moments. Obviously, I think uh, that late takedown given in the fourth round and then Volk just essentially has his back held for about four out of five minutes. I really felt like that kind of... uh, Let's be real. That probably stole the show for it. It looked like Volkanovski was having a few words with Mahachev's corner. The broadcast called it out. But it kind of just felt like that air probably cost him late especially when you see that Volk was really you know he kind of poured it on in the fifth round I think every judge gave him the fifth so it was like oh you know what could have been right but Mahachev prevails fun scrap what are your thoughts
1: man I love this fight so much and I was surprised by Volkanovsky's performance it was better than I expected which you know because of who he's proven to be at 145 and what we know is of his history in rugby, uh, and you know, I mentioned that because of the performing at different weight classes, you know, we expected a lot already. And I like what you said about Islam having to get pushed past the second year because Volkanovsky did that and then some what I my biggest takeaway was that Alexander Volkanovsky showed all the fighters in every division that there are levels to hard work and he's at the top. Because if you think about whatever, you know, how Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje talked about, even Conor McGregor talked about how they were preparing to fight Khabib. And when they got in there, they didn't have too many answers to the wrestling. Conor surprisingly did better than, you know, Dustin and and Justin as far as duration. But Volk, man, you can tell that he put in such hard work and put himself in truly uncomfortable positions in his training camp because when he was in there he stayed calm and he had an answer for almost everything the slick escapes right that's that's pretty much the story of the wrestling he you know this this style of wrestling this khabib dagestani wrestling is so feared across the sport he had an answer for everything against the cage on the mat straight up hard work intelligence which he has the you know one of the best IQs in in the game and confidence And he's a dog, man. He's just so tough. You talked about that moment when he's shouting um, out to the corner. And, And the other time when he's shouting to Islam, I think Islam has him in a body lock, right? He's just won't stop talking to him, hitting him in the face and just shouting and angry and determined to not quit. Those are amazing moments that, you know, you see in the UFC and MMA sometimes when you see it at the tippy top of a main event for all the marbles it's just it's just a gift man so I was so inspired by Alexander Volkanovsky's performance I think that for me I had to score Volk rounds three and five for sure um and I'd have to go back and watch to see if maybe he could have you know gotten one round one or two but I was not surprised by the finish I'm sorry by the result. But because of how round five ended and because of the energy in the crowd, which was ridiculous, when round five ended, I was like, you know, I don't think he won the fight, but if they give him the belt, I will not complain for a second. I'm not going to question the judge's decision at all because he put such a stamp on round five. So, yes, I don't have an issue with the result. I hear some people, yes and no, about, you know, should Volk have won? It's that round five that leaves you with that taste in your mouth feeling like he should have. Um, As far as Islam goes, this is where I was surprised, not necessarily by his performance, but by Volkanovsky's um, comments that he was surprised by Islam's striking. Because I wasn't. I expected him to have a a high level of striking. You know, the same thing would happen with Khabib, where people would underestimate his striking and then they get caught by a punch, Conor McGregor comes to mind again. So even though Volk prepared himself exceptionally well Mentally and physically, I think that's the one aspect where he let himself down, underestimating the striking of Volkanovsky because to, or of sorry of Islam. Because to me, there was clear evidence that he shouldn't. So that's my only one mark against him. But otherwise, an incredible performance by Volk and Islam. I would love to see a rematch, but not right away, just because of you know the other fight that we're going to talk about, the co-main event. Um, but we'll see how it all shakes out because that was a heck a heck of a fight. Did you have any issues with the results or were you clear on Islam too?
0: Uh, I felt like Islam had it. I felt like the rounds for him, I was like, yeah, that's no controversy. They were competitive rounds, yeah, except yeah. for round four where he had the pretty much back control the whole time. Right. Uh, everything was competitive, but I felt like, yeah, every time I said, you know. Uh, one thing I'll say, so like when I... You know, I was talking with people about this fight, and it was like, okay, you know, what separated it from, let's say, a Yiri Glover or, like, Chandler Poirier? I think if there's one thing that you could say maybe was missing was just a little more carnage. You know, I I think for all of that, uh, you know, there wasn't really much in the way of dramatic knockdowns. I think one of them for Islam was a slip. One one or two times they both kind of just got sat down, but... You know, like when you see Yeeri just drop a Glover-Tashira or, you know, Poirier and Chandler doing that to each other, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. This one, it kind of felt like they took the shots so well. But, um, you know, and I think that that really played well for Islam because being the bigger guy, I felt like when he did get those big shots in that really slowed Volkanovski, they looked a little more dramatic. And so yeah. I think that that's really what helped... At least when I was watching it, I was like, oh, you know, like he he got those few shots in more that he needed to take those rounds from uh, Volkanovski. So that was my big thing. And then, like, you know, I can't really say more to the the talent showed. Obviously, we know Volk is great, but, uh, you know, let's just say it. I mean, his last few opponents, Max, Max, Brian, Zombie, um, Aldo, uh, these are guys who were never going to wrestle him. You know, Brian Ortega is great on jiu-jitsu. He has never been a single leg, double leg, then let me use jiu-jitsu. It's kind of more, you know, body lock, a little bit like Charles Oliver. Um, maybe a little less effective and efficient against some of the, the competition, but th- that's Brian Ortega's game on the ground. Islam was going for him and wrestling him, and Volkanovski showed a completely different dynamic to his game that we're not used to seeing. I yeah. thought that was good. We already talked about it, the striking. Islam showed just how good he is striking, That maybe we feel like, look, he's efficient with it also. If he doesn't need to do too much because the takedown's right there, hey, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. I respect that. So uh, I think we got to see a lot of that, some new wrinkles from them, or wrinkles we don't normally see. And I think that was very fun. Before we talk about the co I mean, okay, so elephant in the room. Dan Hooker... I think about like midnight last night on the West Coast in America, he drops a thing that says, you know, he essentially puts Islam on blast and said, you cheated, I know you cheated, you read more. Dan Hooker says that a Islam had a nurse come in and give him an IV after official weigh-ins, the ones that are in the morning, to help him rehydrate. You guys will remember several years ago, USADA said that's a no-go. Uh, guys like Jose Aldo used to do it and all that. You can no longer use an IV to rehydrate after weigh-ins. You essentially got to do it the long way, and quite bluntly the hard way. Water, electrolytes, eat something, and let your body do the work. Rather than, you know, kind of speed up the process by getting it right into your bloodstream.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Hooker. Uh, okay, I have... Uh, everything is still very new. People were kind of sleeping off the Super Bowl and all that here in the States, so... I get it. There's not a lot of details, but the rumor is that Hooker has provided info to USADA oh, wow. saying they caught that. And um, yeah, so l- let's talk about this. So there is precedent for being suspended for this as a violation. If it, OK, if it's not true, we're going to move on and we're going to talk a couple scenarios. If it is true, though, because let's be honest, that's probably the heart of the conversation, this does essentially shake up the snow globe for everybody. And quite bluntly, a lot of guys are getting screwed. Yair, most bluntly. Volk, obviously, even though he would get more than likely another title shot. Um, Islam, I mean, that's just a given. It, it, it is a rough one if this is true. So I'll toss that to you, Natalie. Let's say by the end of next week, we hear that Islam did pull something and I've seen two year suspensions. I don't know if they've ever done a one year suspension. What do you think of this?
1: This is, you know, very surprising news. Um, If Dana Hooker has indeed provided evidence, I would assume it's photographic uh, to USADA UFC and, and it, you know, holds true, the information is, is real, then I would assume the belt would be stripped immediately. And as far as suspensions go, yeah, I think, I'm trying to think with TJ got two years for EPO. Yep. um, And I don't, I, I really, I have no idea what the, if there even is such a thing, you know, the policy is on specific drugs or medicine used um, if one you know provide uh, results in longer punishment than over the other or if it's just like if you break the rule and use something you shouldn't you get suspended six months if um, it's this quantity it goes to a year Pattern, and so, forth. Yeah. so I don't have no idea right um, so I think there will be a stripping of the belt and a suspension but you know that's up to the I guess it's up to... Who makes the final decision? Is it USADA makes a recommendation? UFC so do, decides? or
0: USADA suspends you. It's up to UFC to say whether or not you keep the belt or whether we just take it off of you. Um, obviously, in the case of TJ, that was an immediate you know, strip of the title. The obviously, for John
1: Jones, right? I mean, they stripped him yes. and they gave it back. Because he had defeated a champion, they gave it back to him. So in this instance, since Volk was not the champion, they couldn't give him the belt.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, okay, so in this case, the belt would be a no contest. The The fight's a no contest, so it, it's not like he took a belt. Like, for example, Jones, DC, you know, things like that. I do think that Jones was stripped because he was going to be out of action for a while. Uh, uh What is that? I think, yeah, it would have been post-Cormier number one, I feel yeah. like. Because then he fought OSP, and then they tried to make the DC rematch. Um the the fact is there's levels to it, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, I think that if you have that and you're the title holder you lose it has been the precedent for over the years, especially last decade where we've seen it. Um look, uh, obviously if it happens, Volkonovsky more than likes likely gets a guy like Poirier or Dariush, fights for a vacant title. I would say, and I'm going to use this to segue, Yair probably waits to see what happens with Arnold Allen and Max. Particularly if Arnold Allen wins, then I could see Yair and Arnold fighting, and then we'll see what happens with Volk, right? But yeah, I can't see Volk saying no to another shot at 155 gold. Particularly how this played out, right? If it was so close, some people gave it to him. Then you find out Islam, you know, cheated the rules. Uh, all of that could happen. That's if it's proven. Obviously, this is all conjecture. Right. Um, let's talk about bluntly. Let's say that, you know, um, smoke but no fire and Islam, you know, it's all clean. Okay. Well, I, I would say that Banil Dariou, okay, Benil Darius should be next. He could have quite easily been there in Australia this week for this one. And I don't think that would have been controversial. It depends on how long Islam needs to recover and what are the UFC's plans. I've seen the rumors and it sounded like Islam was told by Charles that the plan is to go Charles Dariush. In which case, does that mean they don't want to see Islam back until like October? Traditionally, where they now put the Abu Dhabi card. You know, like kind of bring him back, so to speak. Okay, I mean... Obviously, I would prefer Benil gets it straight up, but all right, if that's what you want to do, that's an option. Is Dustin Poirier in the conversation? Obviously, but you feel like it should still be Benil and maybe Charles, you know, by the results, Charles beat him, Benil's on a better win streak. Okay, if Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler just have a banger and Conor wins, I could see Conor kind of leaping in there, kind of strike while the iron is hot. Sure. So, There's a bunch of options, but for sure, I feel like Benil should be the front runner straight up or with any victory, then Poirier. And once again, like I said, only if Conor McGregor looks absolutely fantastic against Chandler should he sneak in there. But also I'm aware, hey, it's Conor McGregor. He's the guy who makes things happen more than anyone else. So what are your thoughts?
1: I like Benil, but yes, of course, Conor McGregor is one of those pieces, you know, game pieces that can force you or lead you to throw out the rule book. And that's always going to, almost always going to be the case with him. Um, If it was anybody else but Benil, maybe you could say, if it was like a, a name that was, I'm trying to think, like. Anybody else that was Conor McGregor Conor McGregor level in 155, then you would say maybe Conor would have to wait. But yeah, I think I can't disagree with you there. If he if he has some kind of stellar performance against Chandler and shows that he's he's can be competitive with these new top guys, then that could easily happen. But I like Benio. Like, let's. I think man, he's been waiting long enough. Like, you got to give him a chance.
0: Yeah, I think it's just, um, man, it's just almost so frustrating because it's like, with all this, potentially, it's like, well, now what the heck are we going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but look, uh, I'll give that credit. I think, like you said, I mean, Benil's got it, but anything could happen. So we'll go from there. Um, But yeah, it makes for a very interesting situation at 155, for sure. I think, I mean, we're obviously always in wait and see pattern, but even more so for this one so we'll go from there um either way i think they would love islam back in abu dhabi just feel kind of it's kind of like gsp in canada it just feels like a fit right right right. there they are um co-main event uh like we just talked about yair rodriguez josh Emmett. um i gotta say i expected a very different fight i was impressed with what we got i really thought that physicality for Josh Emmett even in a competitive fight would be more of a factor. I think even he seemed just a little bit surprised at the speed and power from Yair on Saturday night. I I felt like um he felt like he'd be able to maybe get in there and really scrap a little bit. Instead, I think he found himself really on the defensive on the, you know, trying to avoid a lot of that heavy damage from the kicks of Yair. Shot selection was on um Obviously, you know, has a great exclamation point. You think if he's going to win, he's going to just, you know, destroy him at mid-range. Gets taken down and subs him off his back. Beautiful job by Yair Rodriguez. I'm just going to leave it at that. I feel like, uh, you know, he just really delivered on that fight against Josh Emmett and performed really well. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, beyond delivered. I foolishly picked Josh Emmett
0: (laughs) to win this fight. I did too. I did too. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah.
1: We both did. We both played fools. But it's because he looks so jacked and so fast leading, his hand speed looks so fast leading up to the fight, I was sure that he was going to be able to evade Yair's offense, land an overhand shot early rounds and knock Yair out. You know, just, I, I just, when you're small like that, you know, you have, you become really good at a juke. You know, a a little uh, stutter step, sidestep, juke overhand. Like, that's that's how these shorter guys are able to to beat taller guys. And so I thought he was really going to be able to do that. I was completely, completely wrong. Yair's performance, dude, it was a masterwork. I mean, it was legit, spectacular, magical, fast, precise power. Like, he was on fire. He was completely locked in. I was... I was supremely impressed with how good Yair Rodriguez looked. He just didn't miss a step. Like, I don't even know how many punches he took, how much Emmett was able to land on him because Yair knew exactly where to be and what to do. He was killing Emmett with those body kicks. And, you know, he was also a killer. Like, there was this moment where Emmett has a, a cut on his eye or something. He, he's got an injury that's bothering him. Yair gets gets in, in his face and slowly makes his way up to him and just looks for the right moment to land an elbow. I mean, that's someone who's just going in for the kill. That's some pretty sick stuff right there. So Yair completely hands down owned Josh Emmett and took that belt and showed the world, you know, there is a new threat at 145. And what I love then on the end of that, at the end of the night, is Volkanovsky having to answer, you know, what his plans are. And he's like, yeah, I saw Rodriguez. Um, You know, just makes sense. I'll go down there and fight him. And I love his energy about it because he's like, I just fought at 155 and look what I did. Like, I'm not afraid of anyone. I, you know, I've just pushed myself beyond my limits, beyond what anyone has ever pushed themselves to do. As good as Yair looks, Volkanovsky was just like, high on confidence about you know being able to go back down and 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 beat him as well uh we can break that fight down when it when if if and when it gets made but um yair man he really really blew me away with his performance we've seen him do things like that you know but the way he pieced it all together it was like choreographed it was like a movie sequence a movie fight sequence perfect precise and you know mexico's got two now um I would never root against Valentina Shevchenko, as you know. However, if Alexa Grasso should do the unthinkable and defeat her, that would be a pretty awesome string, uh, a pretty awesome um, photo to hang in the gym, right? Uh, the three Mexican champions, and uh, that would be uh, that would be pretty awesome for Mexico. So
0: I mean, don't forget Irina Aldana potentially could get involved about-
1: too. And then you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not ignoring the fact that you know Cain Velasquez also obviously back in the day, but. Current yeah, Irene Aldana also also on the uh, on deck
0: to try. Yeah. I mean it, not for nothing. I, obviously, the deal is finally getting done for a PI in Mexico for the yeah. UFC. Look, they they've had several like behind the scenes like struggles. I think it was something about owning the property, owning the land, and then international rules and how Mexico does business, how UFC wanted to do business. I don't think it's a coincidence that you know. That also deals are getting done at a time when they're aware that the Mexican stars are in big fights, yeah. you know? And, yeah, of um, course. and rightfully so, it's just like an opportunity. It's a big market for them, you know, and look, they have these things going on everywhere, Asia, talking about Africa, you know? So I, I think it's great. Um, but yeah, for sure. I think with Yair looked fantastic. Obviously a fight with Volk is amazing. Like I said, we're going to see how all this talk and chatter plays out, but I think similar to when Max Holloway lost to Poirier and then he came back to fight Frank Edgar, Yeah. was that, is that how that that played out? Yeah. um, I think it should not lower his stock at all. I think that I'm very excited to see Volk again, and I'm excited to see him against Yair. Um, would it have been more epic if he was a double champ? Absolutely, but that's just not how it played out, you know? So... This is where we are, and I think they're going to go from there. I'll tell you what. If there's no controversy, and Volkanovsky just comes back to 45, a guy like Henry Cejudo is very happy right about now. I know he's been wanting to fight with Volk. I'm sure it's uh, great. So I don't want this. Uh, there's this narrative, oh, Volkanovsky dared to be great. The guy is great. Yeah. It's just he ran into the, this guy at 55. Um. But
1: he did, I mean, he he nearly, look, 20 more seconds, 30 more seconds at the end of round five. He finally put it all together and, and you know, had the right strategy. So the the fault there is taking too long to push himself. And he admitted it in the post-fight interview. It was just right there, man. If he had just made a few changes earlier in the fight, you know, different story, but isn't that most MMA fights, or a lot of them anyway? So, oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's more than... I feel like it's, it's more than just, Oh, he, you know, he, he put up a good show. Like he was right there, man. He was right there. So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm riding pretty high on Volk right now because he really blew me away. And I, I guess I shouldn't have, um, I should have known that he was going to do all that he did. It was, it was really awesome.
0: No, very fair, very fair. Like I said, and like I said, look, if anything happens, um, I would imagine Yair waits for Volk, or if UFC pushes, hey, Volk versus Arnold Allen, no, not Volk, uh, Yair versus Arnold Allen, um, I feel like that makes the most sense, because, I mean, as good as it is beating Josh Emmett, I would still argue beating Max Holloway is a little bit bigger deal, rightfully so, and so we'll go from there, you know what I mean? But that's how I see all this playing out. Uh, to speed through the highlights, Jack Della Maddalena, I mean, makes Randy Brown somersault and route yeah. to that finish. Bambi legs, man. Love it, <laughs> love it. Um, who, my dude Justin Toffa just went out there like he was tied to Ivasa, walk off KO like he's Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. Loved it. That was great fun. What about you?
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Exactly, Mark Hunt is what uh, what came to mind. And look, man, Jack Della Madalena with with the multi-syllabic name (laughs) um he looked great and and Randy Brown looked good too of course It, it just uh I think Randy Brown got a little cocky there had his hands down and Jack just got him caught him clean with accurate punches when when you're the kind of guy that can punch someone accurately and hard in awkward places like as they're falling away or towards you like you know you're you know you're dangerous and that's exactly what he did and then just finished him it was it was a it was a pretty killer victory so good night for the uh aussie and new zealand
0: crowd i mean right until the end oh, right? morning, that's I the kind of hurt <laughs> I know, I, right until the like a part of me just like felt that and i was like oh can you imagine but so close though man. yeah so close. Uh, it was a great ending i i felt like everyone was probably very happy with it right yeah, yeah. If you're,
1: real quick, man. If you're if you're Volk right now, and you're presumably uh, Dan Hooker didn't post this without talking to Volk and team, so uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and assume that he's aware. Or do you think he's angry? Do you think he's just like I'm not gonna think about it. Let the let the the you know the big wigs deal with it, and then they can tell me what's gonna happen next. Uh, or do you think he's pissed?
0: I think he's feeling very whiskey tango foxtrot right about now. <laughs> i mean uh, look you know you know hooker has told him you know uh, i'll be honest i think i don't know when he's supposed to talk to ariel helwani i know ariel announced it if that's not the number one thing they're discussing because you know if hooker found something he for sure sent it to volk yeah so i I, i'm not gonna lie i want some tea in 30 minutes or so i want to see photos videos text messages. The Ariel likes to show the receipts Tonight we need the receipts I want to see some controversy If that's what's happening I do not want to hear Look, we're letting you to handle it No, Volkanovsky I want you to start cooking with Volk And I want you to spill the tea Anyway um. But yeah, uh, yeah Volk I mean, like I said If he's been sent the proof Of course he's pissed Because he's like, what the I, I'm sure there's an element of you can't I mean, what can you do, right? Run it back. That's all. But how could you not be frustrated? Yeah. Come on. Um, MMA news. Probably this one. Friday night, Jose Aldo has his boxing debut on Fight Pass. Looks solid. Gets two belts. One for being Jose Aldo. The second (laughs) one for actually winning the fight. Don't hate it.
1: Did he really Um, get one for being
0: Jose? (laughs) They kind of honored him with the belt. Okay, gotcha. For his great career in Brazil, you know. So, all right. I don't hate it, you know if he doesn't deserve, you know, know a participation right? trophy who does but anyway um nah uh talks and says he's talking to floyd mayweather junior about making this fight happen um and quite bluntly fewer things could make me happier for jose yeah uh what are your thoughts on this one
1: the same man i'm thinking look floyd mayweather is like will fight any as as we've seen recently will fight anyone in an exhibition bout He doesn't care. He'll just take that money, continue being Floyd Mayweather, do his, uh, you know, his Philly shell, Philly roll and not get hit in the face. So Floyd Mayweather has, will definitely take the fight. And for Jose Aldo, like we know what he's capable, capable of. We know how his boxing has improved in the last couple of years. Like that's a great fight for him. He'll probably get a decent amount of money. And it is still Floyd Mayweather. The man is well-preserved, so it's not nothing. It is a challenge. I love it.
0: Yeah, Um. obviously Mayweather, like you said, he's fighting everybody. Uh, Jose Aldo has a fight. Oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on the date. He's fighting. He's boxing Jeremy Stevens, Jeremy I believe, Stevens in, in April,
1: May. April, I think. Or oh, May, okay. Yeah, April, no,
0: and April 1st. May. April 1st. Oh, it's April 1st? Yeah. God dang, Jose turning these around. I like
1: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jorge Masvidal told Helwani uh, that Jose Aldo has a plan.
0: To fight like six or seven times this year holy welcome yeah boxing yeah Uh right, that's what's up okay yeah. no right, look perfect love it so i mean obviously busy schedule for jose really on some nice cards too if i must say so i, I think that's great mayweather he has his latest exhibition with aaron chalmers mma fans will remember he fought in bellator a few times um, apparently, did you remember this? He starred on what's called Geordie Shore, which is one of the <laughs> European versions of MTV's Jersey Shore. Okay. Do you remember that?
1: No, I mean, I remember that he was on a reality show. Yeah. Didn't know
0: that. I tried yeah. tweeting at him once and I tried to get an answer. So would you say you're more Polly D or Mike the Situation? No one <laughs> really could give me an answer. <laughs> Although someone, one fangirl did say Polly D and I'm like... But the tattoos, I get it anyway. Um, my point though is that Mayweather is also staying busy with these fights. You have to imagine that wouldn't be a bad one. I'm gonna just say it bluntly though I feel like Jose Aldo is on a different level than these other guys he's fought. Of
1: course, he is. <laughs> it's like,
0: and then you hear Aldo, it may be exhibition for him, but not for me. I'm not like, for me, what? yeah.
1: He's gonna try to knock him out. What. <laughs>
0: So, I don't know if Floyd is like, hey, this isn't all fun and games this time either. So, I mean, we'll see. But that that's what crossed my mind. But don't hate it either. I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that came up. I do hope they get a deal done. I think that would be great. Particularly if they could bring it to a market like Los Angeles. But now I'm getting greedy. Um, the next one, Michael Venom Page is back. He'll be fighting Gochi Yamauchi at Bellator 292 on March 10th. Uh, obviously, MVP fights for the first time since he fought Mike Perry in BKFC last August. And before that, he fought in MMA in May. He lost the interim title fight against Logan Storley, who fights this month against, you know, who unites the titles. Now, Mucci's on a three-fight win streak, and he won last August TKO against Neiman Gracie. Sorry, Neiman Gracie. Anyway, uh, Natalie, thoughts on the fight, but also now we got this four-pack. You got two Grand Prix fights, MVP, and heavyweight title eliminator, probably for Linton Vassell and Valentin Moldovsky to take on Ryan Bader next. What are your thoughts?
1: This seems, I mean, I'm not, like, jumping for joy here, but it seems like, you know, good matchmaking sense right there. Um, did Page, he lost to Mike Perry, right? Yes. Okay, I mean, the thing is, Michael Venom Page, he's always fun to watch. So uh, I'm up for anything where where he's on the card. Um, that's it, man. I don't have a whole lot to add. This this just seems like regular uh, good old-fashioned MMA math for Bellator.
0: I mean, personally speaking, I mean, remember, that's Usman, Nurmagomedov, and Benson – i mean that that feels like a great fight um that it just feels like a nice four pack like you could put that on c b s and probably be happy with it at the end of it, so yeah, yeah, yeah but um, I just like it i f- I looked at all those four fights, and I'm like, you know that's a pretty solid lineup, I feel like it um even for the casual fans, it's like easy to follow, I like it, so yeah that that's how I felt about it. I think that um Bellator slowly but surely really making those moves to kind of get that attention. And um, I'm going to take a quick side note to say, this feels like the healthiest time MMA has ever had. Like Bellator kind of keeping this ball rolling with this momentum a month after, by the time it gets here, the Fedor fight on CBS and everything Uh they just did. UFC pay-per-views are obviously all about to be lit for the next month and a half, two months. Um, uh, Obviously, PFL, when they come back with Jake Paul on the horizon, going to be big. Um, Then you have all these extracurriculars with MMA stars in boxing. It's like, I don't think there's ever been a better time for combat sports, but really the MMA stars in general. What about you?
1: I agree, and I think a lot of it has, honestly, it has to do with that, that uh, game bread fighting card like that. That's the one that really brings it all together because it's all the names, you know, and love doing something that they all wanted to do, which is box and the matchups make sense. They're exciting. That's the little like cherry on top. And so, yeah, I agree with you thinking about PFL too. There are things to look forward to unique, interesting, exciting things in every promotion.
0: That's good. Oh, one championship. Come to America, big cards. It's like, dude, it's it's a great time. Is Super Sage gonna be back yet? I think they said Sage is gonna be back. Yeah, on oh, that card. All right. Finally, right?
1: Finally, I he know. He goes Super
0: Saiyan again. I love it. That spiky <laughs> hair.
1: Yeah.
0: There we <laughs> I go. Feel
1: so bad for him with his cheek. I just, oh God,
0: But remember, he's still like under. He's still like only twenty six. I know, man. But that was brutal. I know. That okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> He's doing better now. He's, He's happy. I'm sure, He's look, smiling. I'm sure he
1: wouldn't fight if he wasn't ready, but...
0: Um, All things take time. <laughs> yes. Um, quick side note before we talk about Saturday. Uh, Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. So this is a new fight. We talked about it last week a bit. But this one was a curveball. They have a location. It is Kansas City, Missouri on April 15th. So obviously Invicta is there a lot. Um near glory mma Uh, oh my gosh they changed the name of the gym recently i think amid the james Krause stuff but the fact is uh you have an elite gym and you got a place that's actually very experienced at hosting mixed martial arts um they have an arena the t-mobile center not quite the t-mobile arena in vegas but still you know obviously this is great for kansas city how do you feel about max holloway and arnold allen in particular being sent to this particular uh market
1: you mean because max is hawaiian and arnold's british I, or I english I feel
0: like it is a travesty more for arnold that you have all this hype for the united kingdom and he doesn't potentially get a date there i almost felt like you know i almost feel like you want him to get the appreciation he deserves Max is big anywhere, so I think in general, like, if you're a fan in Missouri, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my god, they're bringing big fights to us, which, I'll say it, I feel like every market deserves it, I get it, Conor only fights in Vegas and Madison Square Garden, I get it, everyone and their mom wants the Conor McGregor fights, the Masvidals, the to come to their state, their country, and fight, I get it, so I understand as Missouri... I am ecstatic that UFC is actually bringing such a good fight to me, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, if I'm like Max Holloway, where are we going, man? Vegas, Toronto, <laughs> Miami? Uh, we're going to Missouri. Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, Alan's like, uh, can, can you give me a map, please? Where are we going? <laughs> Kansas City? Where? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I would say. Um, not the, not an obvious choice for these two gentlemen. Um, but, of course, if you're watching from home, it doesn't really matter. And, of course, if you're in Kansas City, Missouri, you're over the moon. Um, if you're Honorable Allen, you're, well...
0: <laughs> I guess Look, I'm going to see c- the United States.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess I'm going to visit a state I never even heard of. Here we go. <laughs> um, it is odd but i think what it's pointing towards is what we're we're used to before the pandemic which is kind of like what wrestling does you know wwe they go everywhere they go to every state and they take big shows to every state and so i think the ufc is trying to get back in there with taking big shows to to um une- un not unexpected states but to a state that's not typical yeah. for a big fight like this a recently typical
0: it's like the circus they do take it everywhere
1: Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's a sign of returning to pre pandemic norm. Because I bet if you go back and look at some fight nights, you'll see that we had, you know, big names in in you know, flyover states a lot.
0: So um well, yeah that's do you, all. Do you guys remember UFC Utica? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still in New York, but let me just say it's a long way from Madison it's Square long, Garden. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, um on that note I uh, you know Another reason I brought this particular one up for the news today. Um, The UFC is spending the next month in Las Vegas. So this Saturday, next Saturday, obviously, John Jones and gone is at the T-Mobile. And then they have the debut at the Virgin Hotels in Vegas. So the next month is all Las Vegas, two Apex, big arena, little arena. Okay. After that, I think they're spending close to two months on the road. That's going between the UK, Texas, Kansas City. If you look at the UFC schedule, they are set to be hitting the road for a month. No apex, no nothing. I think that, you know, when I look at that and I think that it's... They almost announced it quietly, which makes it a little... It it almost feels sneaky, but it's like I was looking at that and I'm like... Wait, this is like 2019 UFC you know what I mean and I think it's just really cool so what are your thoughts on that just maybe the excitement that we're about to be hitting the road for quite so much
1: i mean this is what we've been talking about what we have been wanting to see from the ufc so i'm all for it and um and that's it man i mean i'm 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 excited for the fans that get to see these fights live and there is something about um Being watching from home, not something, it's obviously better when you watch from home and there's a crowd that's into it versus Apex fights, which just feel a little, a little awkward. Uh, There are some bonuses that come from Apex fights where you can hear the corner more clearly and the punches more clearly. That's about it, right? But really, man, it's a combat sports is something you want to see and experience with a lot of people big crowd energy so i am all for this
0: yeah, exactly likewise uh, i want to see it i think that it's um it's exciting and um maybe perhaps for you know I, I always see it a little bit i think about it as media and it's like oh well you know suddenly our ball games a little bit different <laughs> but um no i i think it's great i think that it's a this is kind of how we used to do it and growth and travel and all that is a part of the business on the our side. And certainly for the fans, like you want the UFC to come closer. So I respect it so much. And it's like, okay, it's exciting to me. I know there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, I can't just roll up to the apex on a, on a Saturday and be home quick. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's a good time. So I do like it in that way also. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Let's talk about Saturday. UFC Vegas 69. Um, Originally, Tyler Santos taking on Aaron Blanchfield. Tyler Santos said her cornerman, including her husband, and I'll be quite blunt, I am unclear if her husband is part of the corner or if he was just there, but the fact is all of them were denied visas, even going into Friday. The announcement happens on the UFC broadcast on Saturday. Tyler Santos made the call to pull out of the fight, but now Jessica Andrade stepping in, one week's notice, back at flyweight to fight Aaron Blanchfield. What are your thoughts, you know, one, just on the news and just reaction?
1: The news is unexpected, of course, but um, it is what it is. I do wonder how, what the process is for obtaining Visa and who's in charge. Is it the UFC wrangling Visas Or is it up to each team to do it on their own, in which case something fell through the cracks here for it to have, you know, been so down to the wire and not resolved yet?
0: My understanding is that UFC, like, okay, UFC sends you whatever you need on their side. So it's like, hey, you know, proving you're kind of coming into the States to work. Mm -hmm. And then they only get more involved if it's like a, you know, like Darren Till really needed a visa when he fought in New York, I feel like, so then UFC will sometimes make more phone calls but for the most part they send you your stuff and it's like hey you know your office handle it Ah, okay. we will give you all the paperwork you need from us don't worry about that but yeah you got to apply yourself and then and if it gets late for a fighter specifically I think that's when they get more involved
1: gotcha so it was so it's up to to the fighter and the team at least or the manager whoever's in charge on the team side the fighter side to be tracking this stuff and making sure they're not you know, missing deadlines or behind the the ball there. So that's disappointing if you're Tyler Santos and her team. If I'm the UFC, I'm pretty pissed. Um, but I would also say that maybe we need a policy change. Maybe for certain countries we need to have a person that can coordinate or at least track with the fighter or the manager, whoever's in charge to make sure we're not, you know, losing um, momentum. Yep. Right? So because this this shouldn't happen. UFC is professional. Like, this is something they do all the time. This shouldn't happen. They need to find a way to not let this happen again. And I think that's having a person on the UFC side that's going to be checking in with fighters. I mean, it's like, you know, like an assistant, basically. A visa assistant whose job it is to make sure this doesn't happen. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. As far as Andrade stepping in last minute, I mean... Good for her, man. She's a what do you always say, gangster, right? And uh, she just who did she just defeat soundly, Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy, Murphy yeah. yeah. <laughs> just you know, punching bag, um, punching bagged her uh, in the uh, in the cage there. So this is actually a really good matchup, a really good last minute matchup. They're not always this good. This is a good one. If I'm Aaron Blatchfield, I'm like I'm I would say I'm a little nervous because she's really good, but this changes things. And so she's going to have to, um, I don't know, bite down on her mouth guard and get ready for a brawl. Um,
0: so when I see this, I'm thinking, all right, once again, it's like, man, that's gangster. Like, uh, I mean, think about it. Jessica Andrade is everyone's number one pick to take, to get the next title shot at Zhang Wei Li. Like, no, I need one more win. No, I need this. Or we're waiting. No, she's on the right timetable. Um, she looked fantastic in her fight. Mm-hmm. She's been going up and down the weight classes. She's improved. Well, in, she's improved. She's gotten wins since the loss to Zhang Li. So it's like, what more do you want? She's yeah. got it. Um, I did see that she was on the last fight of her contract. She did get a new deal by stepping in to the Blanchfield fight. Not that she probably wasn't already going to get a new deal, but, you know, you got to think they move things along and there's a little bit of a, you know, we will definitely scratch your back more now that mm-hmm. you're stepping up for us, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's why we didn't hear more talk about Zhang Lee, Jessica, because they knew that they still had a lot of paperwork. They don't want, you know, not that it apples to oranges, but they don't want another Nganu situation. You win the title on your last fight. They just don't. My point being, though, Jessica had that locked in. Now on one week's notice, she's stepping up to fight someone quite bluntly with more to gain than she does. You beat Erin Blanchfield. I mean, you're the one who's fought girls at 35, 25, and 115. Yep. You know, you're taking on this girl who, you know, you were already in UFC when you were 23. This girl's still doing her thing. I think altogether you could tell. And then at the same time, it's also a big gamble. Imagine Erin Blanchfield goes out there, handles it, then it kind of feels like, well, do you still get the title shot at 115? Amanda Lemos also has two wins since you beat her. It's like, okay, now what are we doing, you know? So it is a gamble, but once again, that kind of speaks to the gangsterness of Jessica. Yeah. Sunday morning, could she regret it? Possibly, but we'll find that out when we get there, right? So I like it. It is.
1: But this is kind of a win-win, right, for, for Andrade, because whenever you can garner favor with the UFC by proving to be a, you know, I'll fight anytime, anywhere kind of fighter, which Dana White loves, it, 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 and it doesn't matter if you win or lose in the fight where you stepped up. Um, especially for someone like Andrade, who's never in a boring fight. Like, she's just never going to stand there. She's always going to charge. So if, let's just say, she doesn't win, um, it's not going to really hurt her. Now, would it delay a title shot? Maybe. But the way these divisions work usually like she's always, like you said, she's always up there. They need a big name, someone who can do, deliver guaranteed hits. They just put her up there for a title shot. So it's like, it's not, it's, it, you know, this is a, a, a low risk situation for her. Also, my question to you is when they called her with this offer, do you think, do you think she was like, hold on, hold on, let me see, a, let me look up some footage of Aaron Blanchfield where she was like, I don't care who it is, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, my heart tells me, she was like, I know who she is, let's go. But yeah, I don't think I, I honestly is,
1: let's go anyway I like that
0: <laughs> yeah I think that it's like uh, once again it's a bit of a I mean, live by the sword die by the sword put mm-hmm. it simply I will say like stylistically now to talk about that aspect the fight is noticeably different yes Jessica likes to get you down and do damage Tyla likes to get you down maybe grapple more but not afraid to do damage yourself but then you talk about height size stature that is drastically different and you know quite simply Erin blanchfield is a solid flyweight you know for the women's division right Mm -hmm. she's not a shorter girl taller lankier i think that she's you know just you know respectfully she's well built you know she's not overly tall she's just very well proportioned for the weight class she's a tough just you know physic from a physical standpoint she's a very solid flyweight and then you talk about, obviously, Jessica, you know, on no camp, really. I'm not saying she's out of shape, but, you know, it's different. Yeah, She's kind of stepping in, and now has to overcome these things. On top of the fact that Aaron has been training for a grappler also in particular. So, I think all of that really puts this fight together. I think for Aaron Blanchfield, uh, physicality early, quickly. Kinda, I know that it's. you almost got to get into the fire with Jessica Andrade a little bit. You got to not be afraid to close that distance, get her down, eliminate the threat of that power, eliminate the threat of her trying to get on top of you and just really rely on your grappling. Try to pull a little bit of an Islam Mahachev, just get her down, smother her, keep it busy, look for openings. I think that that's the easiest, most efficient way to victory for Aaron Obviously, the risk in that is you've got to wade into the fire with... A, a woman you know is going to just try to take your head off if you get close in Jessica. Especially early, because she knows her gas tank may not be like it is as usual. Okay. For Jessica, I think the biggest thing is just... Kind of like uh, with a lot of those fights, she has to be able to execute a well-rounded attack. She's got to show her the hands. She's got to attack the shins. Attack the calf, so to speak, you know... And then close that distance to try to get Aaron down and really give her problems. Because if there's one thing that Jessica struggle with is that some of those more technical girls really are able to keep her at bay. Because they're so much longer and strong as well. Aaron isn't a Joanna or a Rose Nama Eunice. That being said, if she's able to keep Jessica off and stick and move effectively... That could make this a very long fight for just on no camp. So she has a couple of hurdles to climb. She has enough experience I think to get over them, but you gotta think Aaron Blanchfield feels like, hey, I still need to make a statement, so I really gotta get after it in this one. Makes for an interesting fight. What about you?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean Blanchefield's the kind of fighter who can who who will Move, use her footwork to avoid, evade the onslaught, the charge of Andrage, and she can do it probably effectively. It's one of those kind of like, um, not that she's Yair Rodriguez style of fighter, but you know, Andrage is like the Josh Emmett, and you could say Blanchfield in some respects like Yair, the taller, longer fighter with a more diverse skill set, a little more fluidity to their movement, and so Andrage will likely be, as you said, no camp. And, you know, last minute, she's probably just going to be kind of like a, you know, Hail Mary with every shot. Um, so Blanchfield's just going to have to stay elusive, stay on her feet. That being said, I think Andrade just has experience and enough power to be able to corner her, hurt her, and, and oh, man, maybe finish
0: her. I'm not sure.
1: Is this going to be a five-rounder? Did Andrade agree to that?
0: I didn't hear that it was a three-rounder. Okay. I think it is still five under the... Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man, that's gutsy. Gangster, gangster, right? Double gangster. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a tough one for me to pick. Blatchfield just seems extremely savvy and patient. And not that Andraj doesn't have those characteristics, but that's just not her typical fight style. In fact, it would be the opposite. I think Andraj is gonna is gonna Andraj, She's gonna get in there and get after it, and I think she'll be effective. Maybe round three TKO. Andraj
0: wins. Andraj, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, yeah. Once again, I mean, when you talk about the physicality for Andraj, you, she's always got that shot in the fight. Let's mm-hmm. just put it bluntly. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about Erin is that sometimes i think we get spoiled we get so used to talking about the big names and it's like you know you're not a bad striker if you're not at the level of adesanya and valentina right of course yeah that being said i feel like although aaron is still getting that part of her game to look as smooth as her grappling when she gets after it like i said um solid flyweight Kind of built, I think she's built just a little bit, like she's a little bit taller and longer than Valentina. But my point of that, though, her physicality, very strong girl. And I really think that it's almost like grappling, not grappling, wrestling versus jujitsu. And I do think that Erin, the way she fights, Tyla, I would have said on full camp. And also because, you know, she's a little more her size, a little more difficult. Uh Uh-huh. I actually think that the size disadvantage in this particular style is really going to work for Aaron. I actually think that Aaron's going to get the sub around round three. Oh, okay. I think she's just going to really wear down Jessica. I think she's going to make her work, make her kind of feel a little... Make her feel that lack of camp. Make her feel like, oh, like, I'm not quite as strong as I usually am. I'm not quite as dialed in. And just kind of take that wind out of the engine... Um, She's going to have to get into the fire. Like I said, she's going to have to show the hands. She might even have to bite down on the mouthpiece, tuck the chin and just, you know, bang with her a little bit to kind of force that opening. But I do think she could do it. I think she's bigger and strong. And I think that she's going to have, I think quite bluntly, she has the game to pull this off. I'm going to go Aaron Blanchfield third round submission. Okay. I there like we go. It. <clears throat> I said it. But, yeah, you know, um, I love that Jessica stepped in to save the card. Like you said, you know, it's still a big deal. Still a risk, but once again, I don't see her stock dropping too much, particularly how they match her up after this, even if she does take the L. If she gets the win, I'm sorry, but Jessica Andraj, Zhang Wei Li tomorrow. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Let's get it. And then for Erin, yeah. we'll talk about it, but obviously she gets a win like this. Maybe isn't as amazing as if you got... Full camp Tyler Santos. But you still got to think she's in that conversation. So we'll talk about that on, you know, on Monday. But yeah, it just makes for a lot of fun. Obviously, next week we have another Apex card. Nikita krilov against Ryan Spann. Heavy hitters. One's kind of more short compact. One is just long and uh, just very dynamic. Both of them have the power to get you out of there quickly. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, that yeah, it's a. I'm not like, you know, so thrilled for it, but I can tell that it's gonna be a, a good matchup. Honestly, can I tell you, I'm more looking forward to the return of Tatiana Suarez, um, just because it's been so long. And she, when she was in it, she was always um, such a threat to the to the female divisions. Uh, so yes, main event looks awesome, but that's what I'm thinking about.
0: No, that's very fair. I, I forgot that was actually next week already, too. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think that'll be great. Montana, De La Rosa. Yeah. I mean, that's just a nice solid two-pack at the end of this one, so I'm ready for it. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Um, Rihanna's halftime performance. <laughs> top five, top ten. There's some thoughts. People are split like Islam and Volk about this.
1: So, okay. When I watch the, for the Super Bowl halftime show, I like a sh- a spectacle yeah I like I think more recently I like uh, Prince that was you know I don't know 10 years ago maybe longer that yeah. was a spectacle Lady Gaga jumping off of the top of the I think it was the same arena as yesterday uh, even I'm not a huge Katy Perry fan but even hers was awesome she's riding a lion and singing the one from last year with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg spectacle now they were chill it was a different kind of spectacle right but still J-Lo I mean tell me about it even though they gave her six minutes, they made her split it with Shakira. Like, spectacle. So, Rihanna. Am I, like, my friends have com- told me that I was correct in thinking she was pregnant. But is that true? She really is, right?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> when I first saw her, I was like, she's pregnant.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Multiple guys, multiple outlets got the confirmation from her. Okay, okay. I
1: didn't want to say and, you know, offend anyone. Okay, right. So, in the condition that she was in. To be so high up in the sky on that wobbly platform, my goodness, that's spectacle. So I'll give her spectacle points for that one. Her singing, her voice is amazing. She looked very pregnant. And she, you know, there's only so much movement you can do. She's doing a little foot thing and a little shoulder shimmy, right? I like that. Mad respect. Um, but as far as the whole show altogether, it didn't give me the, the wow factor. Um, but specifically, being that high up and being very pregnant...
0: That's awesome. I mean, she's beautiful, like diamonds in the sky, right? <laughs> no, but um, okay. So here's how I felt about it. Uh, okay, first off, the pros. Um, you know what, Rihanna, like, is she, you know, she knows what she's doing. She knows the camera's on a close-up, and she's yeah. got the, like, oh, like, you know, I'm bad, and I'm like, all right, girl, I like, yep. hey, it's Rihanna. Rihanna knows how to Rihanna, and I, I give her full credit. The fact that she just belted out banger after banger after banger after banger. I was like, okay, you know, I appreciated that, too. And I'm going to just say it. I think the thing that made it cool also made it the most polarizing. Low key, it felt like the most elaborate pregnancy announcement ever. (laughs) And I get it. She's, you know, she's cradling her tummy and she's belting it out. Here was my one thing about it. Either the audio was off or, my goodness, I'm sorry to say, she was lip syncing a bunch. Okay. (laughs) And I've heard this and I've always agreed with it. I don't care if you lip sync if you're going to kill your choreography.
1: Right. Right. Of course. Then it makes sense.
0: And now, look, like I said, Rihanna... I'm not going to say Rihanna needs to dance with, you know, her pregnant belly. It would be difficult for me. It would be difficult for anybody. <laughs> but I think the second I saw the lips syncing and that she's not kind of belting it out, it felt like I kind of wouldn't have minded her to bring out some friends who were maybe going to do a little more, mov- more movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. I hear you. That
0: was my one thing about it. I think that that is awesome. She's clearly, you know, Queen Riri. You know, you do all that, get that high up you know with the belly in red you still look amazing you still look fierce she always does but come on now that red that was awesome but you know when i saw the lip-syncing i'm like all right i respect that you're not exactly about to dance like some of your videos right now but can you invite some of your friends because you've been part of some bangers with other people (laughs) that was my one thing about it when i saw the lip-syncing i was like all right we need at least someone else to be able to dance then yeah. You know, if you're not going to give us the full voice
1: it's true it's funny i couldn't totally tell i wasn't sure there was a moment where she like turned around and yeah. the mic was down but it, it sounded like it was still her voice and i was like oh but then sometimes i could hear the background singers when yeah. she had the mic down so I, and my weirdly my cable box and my speaker on my tv get out of sync sometimes so it was a whole where i wasn't sure if it was me or her yeah. um I mean, I don't know what her months, like, I don't know how many weeks pregnant she is. She looks like she's seven months pregnant or eight months. Like, it is a little harder to breathe (laughs) when you're that pregnant. Um, So maybe she was lip syncing for that reason. Um, I'm so curious, though. Like, when did she get chosen to be the halftime show performer? And, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't seven months ago, was it? Like, she must have already known she was pregnant. And she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going
0: to do it. I'm you just going to be super pregnant. <laughs> what's weird is I feel like they pick these people in, like, October. Okay. Like, they have a few people in the running, but then they really, like, narrow it down and, like, hey, you know, it's between you and Maroon 5 again. Do you want it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, like, stuff like that, I feel like. But, um, yeah, like I said, when I saw her lip sync a bit, I'm like, ah like we need somebody to do something live then you know but look like i said she looks so fierce out there congratulations to her and asap baby number two all of it's beautiful let me make that clear but i was like rihanna if you're gonna lip sync i need someone else to at least give us some real singing yeah, man. and choreography the halftime
1: show is like yeah you want the whole shebang right yeah
0: yeah you. but everything else was awesome game was fun yeah, um, good game. Oh my gosh, people were making catches, running. <laughs> Mahomes on one leg out running Dude, the defense. Was funny. He looked
1: like an old grandpa
0: trying to run off. <laughs> Bro, I, hey, you, it's the Super Bowl. You get it done or you don't. So exactly. I, I respected it. That was a little bit. I mean, the guy, he did the interview and he said, yeah, I touched his back, but I was hoping they'd just let it go. And they didn't. So he was like, well, you know. Live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> and it just didn't pay off for them. Uh It was, I wouldn't have minded overtime in a game like that. But, you know, it's the Super Bowl. What matters is you win it. They won it. And yeah. it was a great game. So, yeah, good stuff. Good television. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, we'll be back next week. So, remember, like, comment, subscribe. Till then, have a good one.